all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. Hello, Mississippi. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, professor of medicine and pediatrics, and I'm a lonely guy here today. It's just me and our producer, Jay White, and we're waiting for your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING, 1-877-672-7464. I hope you'll take a minute to visit with us. It's all things, all topics of interest to you. We're going to talk a little bit about the Zika virus. You need to know more about that for sure. Talking about teenagers and marijuana and risk-taking in teenagers. It's that time of the year. And even some comments about racial violence. If that's what you want to talk about, give us a call. We'll be right back after the news. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. British Prime Minister David Cameron is formally submitting his resignation to the Queen, ending a tenure marred by a historic vote last month that he vehemently opposed. That is the U.K. vote to leave the European Union. Now his successor, Theresa May, will oversee the daunting task of carrying out the exiting process. Cameron told the public in his parting words at 10 Downing Street a short time ago, it has not been an easy journey. When I first stood here in Downing Street on that evening in May 2010, I said we would confront our problems as a country and lead people through difficult decisions so that together we could reach better times. It's not been an easy journey, and of course we've not got every decision right. But I do believe that today our country is much stronger. The incoming Prime Minister, Theresa May, will be only the second woman after the late Margaret Thatcher to serve as British Prime Minister. Presumptive Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump is wrapping up a round of auditions for his running mate, the real estate developer campaign near Indianapolis with Indiana Governor Mike Pence. NPR's Sarah McCammon has more on that. Campaign sources say he's getting close to making up his mind, and he is expected to make an announcement before the Republican National Convention kicks off in Cleveland on Monday. Trump has said he wants someone who can help him govern, and most of the people on his shortlist are governors or have served in Congress. NPR's Sarah McCammon. In Germany, the government has announced its military is to play a greater role in global conflicts. Esme Nicholson reports the armed forces are set to receive a bigger budget and will see the first increase in German troops since the Cold War. The new military roadmap, agreed upon by Chancellor Angela Merkel's cabinet on Wednesday, foresees Germany taking on more responsibility in NATO missions and in the fight against terrorism. It also proposes that anybody from an EU member state may apply to Germany's armed forces, which currently only recruits Germans. The plans mark a major shift in security policy for Germany, which on account of its Nazi past has generally held back from military engagement abroad. But members of the opposition strongly oppose what is Germany's first overhaul of defence policy in a decade. For NPR News, I'm Esme Nicholson in Berlin. 
The 15-year-old son of a Louisiana man shot and killed by police officers last week is urging demonstrators to keep their protests peaceful. Today, Cameron Sterling said people should be angry about how his father, Alton Sterling, died, but the teenager said anger should not turn to violence. As the young man spoke, there were preparations in Dallas for funerals today for three of the five law enforcement officers killed by a black lone gunman who told police he was angry about that week's police shootings of Sterling and Philando Castile and wanted to kill white police officers. The Dow is down 17 points at last glance. This is NPR. A setback today for New England Patriots quarterback Tom Brady, who's been trying to get out of his punishment for Deflategate. NPR's Tovia Smith reports a federal appeals court has turned down Brady's request to rehear the case of his involvement in violating NFL rules and underinflating footballs. The decision means Brady is all but certain to sit out the first four games of the season this fall. Brady avoided the punishment last year after a lower court said it was unfair and violated the player's contract. But a three-judge appeals court panel then went the other way, siding with the NFL. Then Brady tried but failed to get it reconsidered by the full court. Brady will also lose salary during his suspension, but less than he would have since he renegotiated his salary this year down from $9 million to just just $1 million, so the four games would cost him just about $230,000. Brady does have one more possible play, appealing to the U.S. Supreme Court, but experts say it's a Hail Mary that's unlikely to work. Tovia Smith, NPR News, Boston. At least two deaths in Wisconsin are blamed on severe floods generated by yesterday's storm. Local authorities say one of the victims was an 84-year-old man whose vehicle was submerged in a flooded ditch. The other victim was a 56-year-old firefighter. The circumstances of that person's death have not been disclosed. Rescues and power outages also reported in southern Michigan and Minnesota, where the governor plans to travel today to a pair of communities that were struck by tornadoes on Monday. U.S. stocks are trading lower this hour. The Dow is off 14 points at 18,334. I'm Lakshmi Singh, NPR News in Washington. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include visiting angels, professional caregivers assisting adults in bathing, dressing, meals, and lighthouse work nationwide. Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Office locations are at visitingangels.com. I'm Terry Gross. Listen to Fresh Air weekdays at 3 on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Southern Remedy with Dr. Rick DeShazo on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to southernremedy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Hello, everybody, folks over in Fairhope and folks over in near New Orleans and folks up near Memphis and all the rest of us right here in Mississippi. It's Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. This is the original Southern Remedy. I'm not really sure why it's original other than I'm the oldest host in the group. We are awfully glad to have you with us. Uh, Today is an open mic day. We try to do that fairly frequently so we don't um, miss any questions anybody wants to have when we have more topical days. So whatever's on your mind, we're at one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. It's just lonely me here waiting for your call. 
So give us a call and let us know what you would like to talk about. By the way, please try to call earlier rather than later. We hate to cut people off at the end of the show, but usually the last 15 minutes, everybody calls. So uh, be the early bird. We'd love to talk to you at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. A few comments about Zika. There's some crazy stuff going on. Uh, everywhere and in our state in particular about bad choices dealing with this epidemic. You remember uh, earlier this year, we had a conversation about the potential negative effects of this virus on Mississippi, and they have been slow to come, but they are on the way now. We know that there have been uh, over a thousand cases in the United States, still no reported case uh, of transmission. But you know, if you got a uh, if you got a thousand people with active viral infection and a jillion mosquitoes, sooner or later, it's going to be a problem, and it is getting close to that. We have now, uh, I think, five or seven new cases of Zika in the state of Mississippi over the last several weeks, and a lot of people coming back from the Caribbean on mission trips and vacations and other things infected. And of course, we only know a small percentage of those who are infected because many people never get sick. So that pool of people is getting larger and larger. And some folks aren't about to not take their mission trip or not take their vacation. And uh, they're going to get infected and bring it back. So now is the time for anyone who is uh, having sex uh, and is uh, uh, of the childbearing age but does not want to have a baby to get on birth control or use some form of prevention because you'll never know when you're infected. And if you're the parent that gets a child with microcephaly, um, it is a disaster, and it is totally preventable. The big new thing is is that men seem to be a major vector of this because they stay infected after uh, they are infected for an unknown period of time. In fact, the the Centers for Disease Control now recommends that uh, men who develop symptoms of Zika should use condoms for six months uh, after the onset of symptoms. They may be transmitting this virus that long. So, if you want to talk more about that, give me a call. We're at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. I don't want you to get sick. There is a great article, Top Ten Facts You Should Know About Mosquito Control and the Zika Virus that was published in the Mississippi State Journal of Medicine uh, last week. And if you're interested in having that article, uh, just send us an email and we will send you a copy of it. It's a lot of good information in there. Uh, One more thing I wanted to mention, uh, there's a lot of data about teenagers out there. Uh, I guess the the summer sort of triggers a lot of people to submit their articles. A lot of stuff about uh, talking to kids about racial violence. How do you do that? Should you do it? Who should do it? How you should do it? A lot of stuff about uh, from psychologists about talking with kids about marijuana. That is something we do not do as parents and grandparents as much as we should. And there's some data and some recent uh, scientific uh, information about that that um, may be helpful. And then finally, this whole issue of 
teenagers in risk-taking. Uh, teenagers seem to be getting the bum uh, bum on this because actually the Centers for Disease Control has just issued a, a report saying that teenagers today are less likely to carry weapons, smoke cigarettes, try alcohol, binge drink, and have sex, uh, not use their seatbelts, uh, and not use condoms when they do have sex than previous uh, generations of teenagers. So maybe, you know, maybe we don't have it all right, and maybe we ought to sit down and have a conversation. Speaking of having a conversation, want to have one with you. It's Open Mic on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Rick, and it's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Let's go to Joe in Mobile. Hey, Joe. Hey, how's it going? Good. I spent last week in Mobile. It was wonderful. You used to live in Mobile, didn't you? Yeah, it's a great place, and I miss all my friends down there. What's your question? Before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I had a mole on my leg. It's probably been there for a decade. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, about a month ago, I put compound W on it, and it went away. My wife told me I was crazy that I should have had it uh, removed and, uh, I guess, biopsied. She said that, that uh, uh, according to her information, moles are basically where cancer cells hide. And so that now that it's gone, it's back inside my body. Uh-huh. Now, I don't believe it, but... You know, I, I'm not going to uh, say that you're not crazy, but if you are crazy, it's not about this particular topic. Okay. Uh, I think there's some uh, truth in what both of you have to say. And okay. uh, certainly moles can turn into cancer. And those are the c- kinds of cancers that are the serious ones, melanoma. Uh, oh. We spend a lot of time looking at people's skin now used to be when I did an annual health examination, uh, I could do that very quickly. But now I have to have people get totally nude and look at every crevice uh, to make sure they don't have uh, a premalignant lesion. The premalignant lesions that are non-melanomatous are usually the kind that you had, what are, which are either uh, are called actinic keratoses, the little rough ones that uh, sometimes itch a little bit. And if you put a moisturizer on those things like oil or just any moisturizer, sometimes they will either even off or they will slough off. That Those are the ones that we burn off with liquid nitrogen, uh, all kinds of topical irritants and so forth. So that's probably what you had, and that's an evidence of sun-damaged skin. Most of us in uh, our particular, and you know, Mobile is in the same latitude and longitude uh, as Iraq. So, I mean, it's no surprise that people have sun damaged skin, and and uh, Mississippi is there with you. So, um, so here are the things to look for. You're really looking for changes. A mole that is perfectly uh, shaped and doesn't have funny feet growing out of it, hasn't changed color or have multiple colors. Uh, is usually going to be benign. But okay. if it is large and atypical, looks different than the other moles you have, those ought to kind of come off prophylactically. There are not many people that have to have prophylactic moles. It would, uh, mole removal. It might be worth, you've got a whole bunch of dermatologists now over in Mobile and over on, on in Fairhope, 
And so the prices are a little bit cheaper in getting in to see them. And, and I think most insurance will do this. You might want to go in at least once to make your wife happy and have what's called a total skin exam. And that's what they do is they basically photograph your, the places you can't see. The, the problem is the places you can't see, like in your scalp, uh, you, the natal fold between your buttocks, uh, between your toes and your feet. A lot of people have had sunburn on their feet and ankles when they were kids. And the highest risk of a skin cancer is having had a sunburn. So we usually get those on our shins, ankles, feet, sometimes on our hands and face. And you don't usually look uh, around your eyes, closely behind your ears, and certainly in your scalp looking for these things. So I don't think you have a problem with that particular one unless it comes back. But it probably would be worth having. Uh, she loves you. That's why she's you know, yelling at you. And uh, it probably would be worth, since you probably do have sun-damaged skin, to go at least one time and have a dermatologist look over you and right. do that as a, uh, as a wedding anniversary gift to her <laughs> and see how far that gets you. <laughs> okay. And thanks for your call. Thank you. Bye. We appreciate it. We're here for you. Uh, we're talking about molds or anything else you want to talk about. We're at one eight seven seven MPB ring, one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo. I'm a internist and a pediatrician, so I got you covered uh, on just about any general question. And if I don't know the answer, we'll sure do our best to get it for you. I was mentioning a little bit uh, about. Uh, teens and risk-taking, one of the biggest uh, things in this particular uh, release from the Centers for Disease Control and a similar uh, study that has just been published is the importance of having conversations uh, with with, uh, teenagers, whether it be your kids or your grandkids, and how they seem to blow you off. Now, I have noticed this with uh, all of the preteens and the teenage grandkids that we have. Uh, you know, you have these these uh, attempts to have these conversations, and all you get is a yes, sir, if you're lucky. A lot of times it's just yes uh, or no, and a rolling back of the eyes. Well, there's actually data on rolling eyes back, too. And it's actually not an insult. It's a way of them communicating because the power structure is different. You're up here and they're down here. That what you're saying, they either don't understand it or don't believe it. And that gives you a cue when you're having conversations with them about things like marijuana. The big issue that is new about marijuana is that the data now show that chronic marijuana uh, use uh, leads to intellectual impairment over time, and it is permanent. We originally thought that the the highs and so forth were, you know, without any complications, but things have changed uh, because now there's more data about this. And so how to talk with a child who is uh, doing this sort of thing um, is very, very important. And uh, if you want to talk more about that, give us a call. There is some literature out there on it. We're at one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 
Let's go back to Mobile to Marie. Hey, Marie. Hi there. Good to talk to you. Hey, thanks for taking my call. What's happening? Um, I had a uh, eye exam this week from an ophthalmologist, and he discovered that I may be a candidate for low-pressure glaucoma. Uh-huh. I'm 43, and that was real concerning to me that this may be something that I may face, you know, in my future. And I wanted to know a little bit more about it, if there's anything I could do to help prevent it. Um, okay. Do you have a family history of glaucoma? I do not. Uh-huh. And are you on uh, medicines or various other problems? I, uh, I'm i on T4, T3 mm-hmm. for um, thyroid, mm-hmm. and I take met, metformin mm-hmm. um, for insulin resistance. Okay. Uh, I did read something about that um, if you have small veins and low blood pressure, that you could be a candidate for low pressure glaucoma. I don't know if that's true or not. You know. You okay. Let really Let me tell you where I think he's coming from, Marie. And you need the next time you you go back to see him for your follow up. I'm sure he's going to follow you at regular intervals. I would suggest that you write down a series of questions. Uh, that you want him to answer. Uh, And let me just give you a little bit of fuel for that uh, Q&A. Most uh, glaucoma is uh, due to increased intraocular pressure, and it has to do with the way there's fluid circulating through the eye to keep it hydrated and healthy. The fluid contains sugar, so it brings energy in and out of the various parts of the eye. It's very important. Sometimes that fluid drainage system gets clogged, and that causes intraocular in the eye pressure to increase, There uh, and that and some related damage to it. People with hyperthyroidism or some forms of hypothyroidism re- related to treatment of hyperthyroidism uh, get a variety of different eye problems, and uh, variants on glaucoma are a part of what's called Graves ophthalmopathy. And uh, I think the question that you want to ask him is, number one, does he think this is related to your thyroid disease or not? And he'll have to take a history and find the details about that. And number two, uh, what you can do to prevent it. And as best I know, uh, this particular form, there's nothing that you can do to prevent it uh, other than take good care of yourself and uh, stay as healthy as you can, keep your blood pressure under control. Of course, that's always an issue with any form of eye disease. But this is, this is a condition that is not well understood, uh, and it is fixable if it develops with certain surgical procedures that are not awful. So uh, I think that's probably where you ought to start. And if you would like an, uh, any more information on this, just send me an email at southernremedy.com at mpbonline.org, that's southernremedy at mpbonline.org, and I will send you a patient information sheet on this problem. But do not panic. Uh, The ophthalmologists are very good at managing this. It's just a matter of following uh, you very closely, and and it doesn't have anything to do with the size of your veins and your legs and other places, and it's not your fault. Okay? That's managing my thyroid disease. Yeah. Absolutely. Your ophthalmologist should have copied uh, that person with a a note. And if not, 
call the office right now and get them to send a copy of your note to your uh, whoever it is, your endocrinologist or internist or whoever about that, okay. where, where she or he can intercede for you between the specialists. Your right. primary care people can't help you if they don't know what's going on. So, right. And nobody can read those notes from ophthalmologists. I have to call them about every <laughs> consult. Have you ever seen one of them? Get a copy of it. See if you can read it. It's Chinese okay. and uh, okay. in reverse. Okay? Okay, great. All right, great to talk to you. Thank you. You're listening to Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo here with our producer, famous sports authority, Jay White. And we're taking all calls from all people from all places. And since we're from Mississippi, we make all into six syllables. So we want you to call at one eight seven seven and call is four syllables. Call one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. It's the doctor call-in show with no charge. Let's go to Warren in Louisiana. Hey, Warren. Hey, Dr. Rick. Thank you, sir. Thank uh, you for this. your call. Um, I have a question about a drug. I think it's called Nudextra. Uh-huh. Um, being prescribed for a family member for, uh, I guess, spells related to some dementia. Uh-huh. And um seems to have worked, but it was very expensive. It took a while for the family uh, to get approval from the insurance company. And so I got to looking into it and reading it, which is always a little dangerous from the internet, but, um, it looks like it's a combination of two very old, reliable standby drugs. One, which is commonly found in cough syrup, which is dextromethorphan mm-hmm. and quinidine, which has been around for a hundred thousand years, I guess. I don't know. It's a very old drug for all sorts of things. Right. It seems like taking two common drugs that are both very cheap and very inexpensive and combining them with nothing else special shouldn't really lead to creating this very expensive drug, which is hundreds and hundreds of dollars per month. Do you, do you have any insight into how that might? No, I think your I think your insight is better than mine probably on this issue. Uh, this is a common practice is to take two uh, drugs that are off patent or never were patented, like the two you're mentioning. Quinine uh, has was taken off the market because people were we gave it to everybody for leg cramps for years, and it was taken off the market because people were taking too much of it and getting cardiac heart problems. It can cause heart arrhythmias, um, and uh, dextromethorphan, of course, is cough syrup, and you can get that over the counter. Uh, it is a <clears throat> derivative of a narcotic, but it is not addictive. It's very effective for cough. And uh, I I am just a peripherally uh, aware of this because I've had a couple of my patients with dementia who are seen at our mind center that have gotten hold of uh, this and tried it. And, you know, the problem is, is that any drug or drug combination thereof that you use has a 20% chance of working. That's a placebo effect. So unless there are controlled trials where you compare a drug or drug combination in a large enough uh, a number of people to get a statistical test to find out if it works, you really never know what you're paying for. So this is a new drug. Uh, there's another set of drugs now that are combinations of the two uh, traditional treatments 
that are used for Alzheimer's, mametidine and the older uh, drug have been combined. And they, if you do the math on that, it's about three times as much as it would be if they were taken separately. So I think this is a gimmick drug. I'm not aware that there are controlled trials on this drug. So what I would do if I were you and interested in this, if you don't want me to do this for you, if you do want me to do this for you, send me an email at Southern Remedy MPB online, and I will do a, a special search in our pharmacy uh, um, search engine that I don't have with me today. But the last time I looked at this, I, I it was it was really not had not had controlled trials. Another way you can look at this is go to Google Scholar dot com. This gets you into a completely different set of literature. And just put in there that drug and control trials. And if there have been any control trials, you'll find them. And anybody can use that. So that's Google Scholar. Is that helpful? It's very helpful. The, the company website, which is where I got most of my information, um, says it's in the open label trial or some, some wording such as that, meaning basically we're using it and we're just going to see how it works. Exactly. <laughs> and you can bet it's going to work 20% of the time. Yeah, and in right. somebody who's uh, has dementia and can't remember what happened anyway, you know, good luck figuring that out. Well, so if I you're don't not have dementia, I can't remember half the time anyway. I got so. the same thing. Well, I'm sorry, I, my mom had dementia, and I have been through this same scenario with multiple drugs, and all, everybody's got a potion they're selling, and it's a nightmare. We still don't have any drug that really works in stopping the progression of that disease. But I think we're getting close enough now with some of the research that we're going to figure this out. We now know what causes it. It's these plaques of goop uh, in the brain that we actually have seen in in other conditions. But uh, folks are trying to figure out why they're there. They've got some new drugs that look like they dissolve them or block them. So I think there's some hope out there, but it's not going to come around tomorrow. So thank you for your call, Warren, and we appreciate you uh, and all our uh, listeners in Louisiana. Big uh, thank you for your call. We're going to be right back after this call. We have open lines. We're at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. That's one eight seven seven MPB ring. I'm Dr. Rick, your host today. We appreciate you listening, and we'll take your call if you call in. We'll be right back after this break. Support for MPB comes from the Pediatric and Congenital Heart Center of Alabama at Children's of Alabama, a cardiovascular care center for children in Birmingham, Alabama. More at childrensal.org slash heart. Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Owens, host of Southern Remedy for Women, here to warn you about an upcoming epidemic of license plate envy. Yes, it's coming after you see someone driving around with a new MPB car tag. It's the latest way you can support Mississippi Public Broadcasting continue the mission of educating, informing, and entertaining Mississippians. This epidemic is easily remedied by visiting mpbonline.org slash car tag to pre-order yours today. 
This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You're listening to Southern Remedy with Dr. Rick DeShazo on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to southernremedy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Hey, welcome back to Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, Professor of Medicine and Pediatrics here at one 672 Yeah, you need to buy those license plates, I'll tell you. Uh, I'll just tell you a little story. They, they had me do one of those promos for the license plates, and uh, the license plate envy thing just didn't sound right for me, so they had the lady GYN person do that. She is terrific, by the way, uh, and uh, I can see why they'd rather do that with uh, her than with me. So there's always a backstory to everything that happens. The most important mosquito control measure around your house is to find and eliminate bre- uh, breeding sites for mosquitoes. The spraying that works uh, for West Nile virus, which also continues to be a big problem with mosquitoes in Mississippi, does not work for the Zika um, virus containing mosquitoes. They tend to uh, hang out in trash, planters, pet dishes, bird baths around the house, while the uh, 80s mosquitoes uh, live in water, uh, large bodies of water or swamps and stuff like that. So uh, my favorite uh, thing that I'm using around my house is mosquito dunks. And I got that at a big box store, but there's other things called trap and kill uh, and cutter backyard bug control also has been recommended. And these are the, the things that you can get in just about any big box store. Mosquito dunks, they're little donuts. And what I do is uh, there are areas of our yard that are always wet. Yeah, we're too cheap to get them fixed. And uh, I put these little donuts uh, down in that area and put a stick through the hole in the donut where they don't float off. And that kills the larvae of the mosquitoes. Uh, And the mosquito trap uh, is really good for just about all the mosquitoes. Trap and kill, T-R-A-P-N, kill. And then cutter backyard bug control, if you're going to have an outdoor event, with uh, people that you like and don't want them to get sick, then you might want to use that. So there's some hints about that. Let's go to Vicksburg and Carol. Hey, hey, Carol. Hello. Hi. Thank you for your um, call. Boy, I've been seeing a lot in the newspaper lately about all the good things happening in Vicksburg and festivals and history stuff and must be a lot going on over there. Well, the newspaper's doing uh, a great job lately of letting everybody know, you know. Um, I think Vicksburg is like Natchez. Uh, it, you know, it's just a gold mine for tourists, and uh, it's so important to our state, and for some reason it's never gotten the kind of attention that it ought to be getting, so I, I'm glad to see this happening. What's your question? Well, I was going to ask you to revisit the... Um, uh, dementia uh, plaque relationship. I'm curious. I mean, we've now been told a lot about you know cholesterol related plaque, 
and high triglycerides, et cetera. But can you speak uh, a little bit in more detail about, um, since most of us are still at the preventative age, hopefully, um, what more we could do to prevent whatever type of plaque is. Okay, these are called these are called amyloid plaques, amyloid. And amyloid is a product of uh, immunoglobulin, globulins, the globulins that help us fight infection. We have in our blood cells, parts like white blood cells and stuff, and then we have a liquid part. And the liquid part includes albumin and a whole bunch of, which is, you know, helps keep water and blood inside the blood vessels, an osmotic agent. And then it contains some special proteins that keep, uh, the the germs in our gut from invading our body and keep the stuff we inhale from infecting us, like uh, getting pneumonia. And those are called antibodies, and we call them immunoglobulins. And these plaques are related to immunoglobulins, and they're not the kind of plaques that we're talking about with atherosclerosis. Although many people who have Alzheimer's also have vascular dementia with it, which is atherosclerotic. But Alzheimer is not vascular dementia. You don't have clogging off a little bitty vessels. You actually have destruction of gray matter from these plaques being formed. There have been a lot of studies trying to understand these. Uh, they, they actually have animal models of this in mice and rats now where they can generate these plaques. Uh, but they still don't know uh, what you can do to prevent them. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, there are some monoclonal antibodies, these made-up antibodies, to attack their production by the cells that make them, uh, makes this amyloid plaque. But we don't know. It works works in animal models, but it's not yet being tried in adults. And that's about, uh, without getting into a lot of basic science, which would bore you to death, that's the bottom line on this. These are amyloid, A-M-Y-L-O-I-D, plaques. Uh, we see amyloidosis outside of the brain as well. Uh, and uh, so there's a lot of previous uh, chemistry that's been looking at this. And um, if you want to know more about it, send me an email. Uh, if you want to really get into the science, just like I told the previous caller, use uh uh, Google Scholar, and you'll get so much stuff you'll never be able to digest it. But that's the bottom line, and that's about as much as we know, Carol. And I appreciate your call, and say hello to everybody in Vicksburg. Let's go to Ken in Macomb. Hey, Ken, what's going on? Hi. Hi. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Thanks for calling. What's happening? Hi. I'm a, a middle-aged man uh, struggling with his weight as well as high blood pressure here in Mississippi. But uh, my question is, the doctor has recently, very recently, this week actually, uh, added a new medicine to help control my, my blood pressure, uh, uh, a diuretic, along with uh, lorisartan, I mm-hmm. guess, 100, 100 milligrams. Uh-huh. And I professionally, I work a swing shift. Um, I'll go from nights to days, nights to days. Uh, and I'm struggling with the question I have is the timing of taking these these medicines. Yeah. Um, I, I'll go, I'll, I, they're, they're scheduled to take one, uh, one a day, uh, one every 24 hours, both of them. And, uh, I took one actually last night on going to a swing shift and it was actually 12 hours apart. 
mm-hmm. as, a, as opposed to, say, a 12 to 16 hours of work gotcha. in, instead of a 24-hour period. And it, it wiped me out. I mean, it, it, I literally uh, – The diuretic did or the well, combination? I, I don't know. I, I don't have a clue which one did it. Uh, I've been on the, 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 the Lorisartan for mm-hmm. uh, months, six months now, but the diuretic now for two days. Do you know what the name of it is? Uh, no, sure, not right off. It's okay, well, the, let me just give you some background on this. Um, the average patient in Mississippi with high blood pressure, it takes three medicines to treat it. That is mind-boggling, and people don't want to hear it. That's just the bottom line, because none of these medicines alone usually are effective. And in somebody who is overweight like you are and at risk for heart disease and diabetes, we always try to use one of these ACE or ARBs, and Losartan is one of those as the first step because there are data that suggests those lower the risk of heart attacks. They're very good agents in controlling blood pressure, long-acting, generic, and they're cheap. So the fact that you got uh, you got this, this drug uh, as a first step is most appropriate. The second thing is, is that we commonly use a diuretic, a water pill, uh, after as a second drug, and then there may be a third one after that. Uh, the data show that hydrochlorothiazide, high, HCTZ, hydrochlorothiazide, at 12.5 milligrams a day, a dose that won't make you pee all the time because these diuretics make you pee. The reason that hydrochlorothiazide works is not because it's a diuretic, because it doesn't make you pee that much. It has some other blood pressure-lowering capability that we don't understand. So you don't have to give the diuretic dose. You give 12.5, which is a poor diuretic dose, but it works great for blood pressure in combination with an ACE or an ARB like Losartan at your own. So check and see if you're on hydrochlorothiazide. It may be that you were put on Lasix, which would be uh, have a lot more problems, or one of the other stronger diuretics. Uh, and there's really no data that they work any better uh, than the the HCTZ unless you have a lot of fluid accumulation, and we don't use those very often on the routine person. So I would call back my doctor. Uh, I would uh, and tell him that you're having side effects, and you think it's from uh, the hydrochlorothiazide or whatever diuretic you on. Ask him if it's okay if you stop it for three or four days. Monitor your blood pressure. Everybody with chronic blood pressure problems needs a $40 at home, over-the-counter at a big box store, uh, cuff, not not the thing for your wrist, but for your upper arm. I like the Panasonic $40 thing at the big box stores and drug chains and independent drug druggists and street vendors or whoever. I try to stay out of trouble with all these folks. Uh, but uh, you need to be check, checking your blood pressure before and after your shift and so forth uh, and keeping a record and taking that into your doctor. So I would call him, tell him that you're going to get a cuff and measure your blood pressure uh, before your shift, after your shift, get a pattern there that you can show him or her, and then let the adjustment be made. There is no reason that you should be taking any blood pressure medicine that makes you feel bad. We have so many choices now. The only problem that we do have is many blood pressure medicines cause impotence in men. So we have to juggle them around to uh, to take care of that if that's a problem. 
But uh, communication, communication, communication with your doctor uh, is the answer to this problem, Ken. It's not acceptable that you're not feeling well. And if it's something other than hydrochlorothiazide 12.5 added to your Losartan, ask him why he made that choice. There may be a special reason, and I don't want to second-guess him. And if you need more, give us a call. I've got a great uh, handout on high, high blood pressure. I can email you at southernremedy at mpbonline.org. Thanks for your call in Macomb, and a big howdy to folks over there. Let's go to Steve in Jackson. By the way, we got open lines. We're at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. It's all things considered. Whatever you want to talk about, uh, right here. So give us a call, one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Hey, Steve, what's going on? Hey, Dr. Rick. I uh, really appreciate your show and what you do for the community. Thank you. I have a question for you. Um, my wife has fibromyalgia, mm-hmm. and she was put on Cymbalta about 40 days ago. She's been feeling kind of foggy, and she really kind of wants to get off of the Cymbalta. Mm-hmm. But she is an Internet guru. Mm-hmm. And she has looked at everything in the world on Google and is terrified that she is going to have these terrible side effects if she gets off. And because they come in capsule form, and she's taking the lowest dose, yeah, uh, she's concerned because you know you can't cut them in half and stuff like that. What's your experience with Cymbalta, and also if someone wants to get off of Cymbalta? Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about fibromyalgia real quick. That's a long, long talk, and I hate to tell everybody, send me an email, I got a handout, but uh, if you want to know more about it, that's the one place to start. It is very, very dangerous to get on the Internet talking about that problem because it's a condition that is common and very little is known about it. Basically, you hurt all over, and you have these so-called tender points that are extremely Uh, strategic places and you can punch on these points and it hurts and you have to have so many of those points uh, at the right places to establish the diagnosis. There are people that hurt for other reasons and fibromyalgia patients have these tender points and that's how we make the diagnosis and separate it from people with other forms of chronic pain. Uh, Some people with fibromyalgia have underlying connective tissue diseases like rheumatoid arthritis Uh, Those are usually easy to exclude because they have uh, physical findings that let us know that. But we're very careful not just to say, oh, you got fibromyalgia, fibromyositis, same thing, and uh, take this and leave. Uh, So um, your doctor should have done some basic lab work. Well, I will say this. The doctor has uh, recommended or referred us to a pain management specialist. Uh Uh-huh. And she will be going there probably within the next uh, week or two. Most of the pain management specialists are anesthesiologists. They are Mm -hmm. good people at pain medicine, but they are not good people at rheumatology, arthritis, Mm -hmm. rheumatism, and this. So Mm -hmm. a general internist should be able to handle this easily. A well-trained family medicine person or a rheumatologist, those are your go-to persons on it. The uh, the the uh, anesthesiologist is going to look at what he can inject, and that's helpful, but it's temporary. So yeah. let's talk about long-term treatments for fibromyalgia. There are two things that have been shown in control trials to work. 
The one I like the best is warm water exercise programs. Nobody wants to do it, but it works like a charm if you can get a, get patients to do it. And that is um, there are a number of places that have so-called therapeutic pools. And to have a physical therapist uh, get you in that warm water pool at least three times a week, usually starting with uh, once a uh, once a day for five days and then moving to three times a week, and then you can do it on your own, uh, usually has a dramatic effect on this disease. Women don't like it because it messes up their hair. They have to take a shower. They have to redo their makeup, all that stuff. Uh, but it really does work if you'll do it. So that I would ask your uh, talk to your wife and see if she wants to get a referral from her doctor uh, to a uh, one of these uh, centers. The second thing is Cymbalta is one of several drugs that has been shown in clinical trials to help this disease. Uh, It is not a whole lot different than a whole lot of other SSRIs. And after this break, I'm going to come back and finish uh, my response to your question, talking a little bit about Cymbalta versus other SSRIs. And we'll find one she can take. We'll be right back after this break. Catch up on past episodes and hear any of the MPB programs you've missed on the MPB Public Radio app. Available on iTunes and Google Play. Listen live to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. Search MPB Public Radio. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Support for MPB comes from the Pediatric and Congenital Heart Center of Alabama at Children's of Alabama, a cardiovascular care center for children in Birmingham, Alabama. More at childrensal.org slash heart. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You're listening to Southern Remedy with Dr. Rick DeShazo on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to southernremedy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Welcome back to Southern Remedy. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Rick, and we were talking to Steve in Jackson about his wife's fibromyalgia, and we'll talk about your wife, husband, grandkid, or third cousin. If you're like my third cousins, you probably don't want to talk about any of them. I think they're all out on bond this week. Uh, we're at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four one eight seven seven mpb ring and we'd love to chat with you about any kind of medical thing that is bugging you. So, uh, Steve, are you still there? I am. Sorry, we had to do a commercial. You know, we're oh, not commercial okay. uh, radio, but we have to do commercials. So uh, there you go. So uh, I finished on the warm water exercise program, getting a prescription from the doctor, uh, which makes your insurance pay for it to get a warm water based uh, uh, exercise program started. That's my okay. number one. And that's the one that's best documented in the literature. The reason Cymbalta, which is an antidepressant, 
and pain management medicine. It was first released as a uh, antidepressant, and then as this pain manage, med, management medicine is recommended for uh, uh, fibromyalgia. Is that company took the time and spent the money to try it in people with fibromyalgia, and none of the other companies have done it. That's the reason there is an indication on it for the use of fibromyalgia by the FDA. That doesn't mean it's any better than any of the others, and I don't think it is. I mean, it it's pretty good, but a lot of people get brain fog with this drug, and it doesn't go exactly. away, and other kinds of crazy symptoms that I can't explain so I, I really start like your doctor did with a very low dose and try to go up. But if this is, she's been taking this thing for several weeks and she's still got side effects, she needs to get the heck off of it because well, that's, uh, that's not what it's supposed to make you feel better, not make you feel worse. Yeah, that's and, my next question is she wants to get off of it, but she's been reading these things on the Internet that scare her to death that say if you get off of it, you're going to have all these side effects. You're going to kill your husband. Yeah, all yeah, that stuff yeah. is crazy. Uh, forget it. Don't believe it. Uh, there are some people that have withdrawal from these things. They're usually mild. If the withdrawal is uh, severe, you get back on it real quick and talk to your doctor and you work out a withdrawal uh, program where you, you know, basically have the pharmacist chop those capsules up and you have decreasing doses to get down to zero. But what I usually do is just immediately put somebody on another one and Zoloft, which is dirt cheap, and mm-hmm. comes in pediatric size doses, uh, okay. would be one of them. Selects is more expensive. I like stuff's cheap, and mm-hmm. I have a lot of experience with it. I know what's going to happen. Uh, and Zoloft is, you know, is just sort of like aspirin. Now we have so many people on it, and it's very effective for pain and panic and all kinds of other things. So I would. Uh, that's the one I would recommend. There are lots of others, and usually you have to rotate. It usually takes me about as a rheumatologist about three tries to, before I find the right one. Gotcha. So I usually tell people when I give them some Balta, which is frequently the first one because they want it, uh, that it you know if it doesn't work, we, we got others and don't count on it till you see that it works. So right. uh, I know this is tough. Most doctors don't want to see these patients. I don't know of any rheumatologist around who will even see one anymore. Because right. they take a lot of time, they're all depressed because they hurt so much, and uh, and you know that's just not a lot of things you can do. But uh, if she'll get in a warm water exercise program and get on one of these things, I bet she'll get a heck of a lot better. Well, and, I'm going to definitely see if we can try that and talk to our doctor. All right, great to hear from you. Thank Thanks. you for your call. You're listening to Southern Remedy at MPB Think Radio. There's a few minutes to get your call in. If you call us at one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four, and we are going to Biloxi. Hey, Billy, what's happening? Hey, Doctor Rick, thanks for taking the call. I love Biloxi. All right, it's all new. Uh, it's all uh, new. Y'all uh, rebuilt the whole place. <laughs> uh, hopefully, it'll be standing for a long time. <laughs> yeah, me too. What's going on? My nephew and uh, his wife just had a new baby. Uh, and we're looking for a pediatrician. Mm-hmm. Both of them uh, went to the University of Alabama, so of course everything's got to be the best. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they wanted to in, uh, impress my wife and I with all of the research they had done on all the doctors. You know, these days you can find anything out about a doctor on the Internet. Right. 
they would talk about what schools they went to and uh i just wondered does it really make a difference what school any one doctor goes to well probably not because all of them what what makes a difference is whether or not the doctor uh is board certified which is a minimum criteria for any doctor uh, I mean, that is, we call that the minimum criteria. I was actually on the American Board of Internal Medicine, one of the larger certifying boards for a number of years. And those exams that we put together are, are designed to weed out people who, whose brains don't work right or they don't have, or they, not just that they have data, but they know how to use it. And all of these specialties now have uh, worked together through this other board to put those exams together. So that's number one, whether or not they're board certified. Number two is if they uh, get along well with patients and respect, value, and love their patients. You get a doctor that doesn't love. I have a love relationship with my patients, and I'm not uh, in the least bit uh, hesitant to tell them that. Uh, It is an honor to be a physician and to serve the public. That's what we teach them in medical school. So the second point is do they get along with their patients and are they available? In a pediatrician, availability is number one. And the way to find that out is talk to your neighbors. They will give you, talk to as many neighbors as possible uh, in your area when you're looking for a new pediatrician about uh, what happens after 5 o'clock. Can you get hold of a nurse, nurse practitioner, the pediatrician? Do they always send you to the emergency room or will they help you? Do they have office hours on Saturday and Sunday for sickies? What do they do? Okay. So the convenience factor and the easy use factor, by the way, you are paying for this and we do work for you, uh, is very, very important. So that would be the second thing. And probably the most important one is uh, the the read the local folks have uh, gotten. I got a... um, I got an email from United, a uh, letter from United Healthcare this week, saying that United Healthcare was going to list me as a doctor who was too expensive uh, and used too many lab tests and put me on their bad list. Um, the reason I am expensive and use too many lab tests is I am a diagnostician and use a lot of lab tests to figure out what's wrong with people. So you can't go by those insurance websites. I hope that's helpful, Billy. We're going to be back. uh, And, Kay, I'm sorry. If you'll send me an email from Memphis, I will sure answer your question. Thanks for being with us. I hope you enjoyed today's program, and I hope you'll listen again same time, same place next week. This program is sponsored by Mississippi Public Broadcasting, uh, and the next show coming up is a great one, NPR Here and Now. Thanks for listening. Underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy. Live blue. It's good to be blue. More at bcbsms.com. The heat index along the coast exceeding 105 in some spots this afternoon. So very dangerous conditions. If you've got friends, family members, maybe elderly or live by themselves, uh, 
check on them and make sure that they're doing okay.